This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to begin our time together with the reading of Scripture. If you've got a Bible, if you've got a, a text on your phone or something like that, I encourage you to go to Galatians 5, and we're going to be picking up at Galatians 5, 16, reading down through verse 26. Here we hear um, these words. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not be conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. The word of God for the people of God and the people of the world. Thanks be to God. A couple of years ago, actually several years ago now, I was at a, at a week-long camp and working with kids. And we were talking about the fruit of the Spirit at that camp, and there was a song that we sang. We sang this song every day. It went something like this. The fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. The fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. If you want to be a coconut, you might as well hear it. The fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. The fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Aren't you glad I don't sing every week? Very good. So we sang that. We sang that, and uh, it wasn't just a coconut, but then we went through all kinds of different fruits that the Spirit wasn't. And by the end of our singing together, um, actually at the end of the week, we had a parade around the campground and all the kids wore stuff like that. Grapes, you know, balloons clustered all around them to remind them that uh, we were talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, it was uh, fascinating to me to think about how that song seeped into my own mind and into my own heart. At that point, I was probably in my my mid-30s. And if you ask me what the fruit of the Spirit was, like that list that Paul gives to us in Galatians 5, I could have told you some of those things, but I couldn't have told you, I couldn't have listed all of those things to you. So that very silly song placed in my mind and in my memory forever, those, that list of virtues, that list of the marks of the Spirit. But that song, while it gave me that list and ingrained it in my memory, it didn't do a number of other things. Like, One of the things it didn't tell me is that that's not, you know, the fullness thereof, right? That list isn't exhaustive. There are other things that can be added to it. Uh, One of the other things it didn't do is necessarily it didn't tell me where the fruit came from. 
or what the purpose of the fruit of the Spirit was. This morning, as we um, have time to visit together, I want to go take us on a journey and just think about what's the purpose of the Spirit, of the fruits of the Spirit, and, and how do they come to be a part of our life, and what are we supposed to do? What's the part that we have to play in the mix of, of receiving the Spirit and, and living out this, this sense that the fruit of the Spirit is with us? Well, first off, we want to talk about the purpose. What kind of purpose do the fruit of the Spirit have? Does the fruit of the Spirit have within us? Um, I think we've got, we've got a, there we go, a target, a success. Uh, everybody wants to know that they're hitting the target, right? That you're, you're aiming at something or you're hitting something that you're supposed to hit and you're supposed to be after. In the early church, there was a big question after Jesus went back into heaven, after his ascension, there was a big question that, that went every place that the early church was at. And the question was this, how do we follow after God? And now remember, you've got people who've, who've been raised and, and taught the law of Moses. And you've got people who've never heard of Moses at all. And people in both of those camps hear the story of Jesus and they respond to the story of Jesus and they proclaim, they're able to proclaim, many of them with one voice, Jesus is Lord. That's the first creed of the, of the early church. Jesus is Lord. But then they have this question, how are we supposed to live that out? What's that supposed to look like? And some people who had been born and raised in the tradition of Moses said, well, uh, everybody who is able to say Jesus is Lord should be made aware of the law of Moses and they should be asked to live with the law of Moses. And, and there were some unique things about the law of Moses that made that difficult, especially if you were old, older, especially if you were male. And in the law of Moses, there's something about circumcision. And people are like, well, what's that got to do? Like with following after Jesus, I, I can't quite figure that out. And so that was a big, that was a big hurdle for a lot of, a lot of people. And it was a big point of conversation. And so uh, Paul writes this letter to a church that's still trying to figure it out. What's it mean to follow after Jesus? When we say Jesus is Lord, what does that mean? And, and some people have said, well, you've got to follow the whole law of Moses. And Paul says, wait a minute. It's a great big wait a minute point. He says, you know, when we look at the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we see that, that uh, the, there's this passion that pervades all of Jesus' ministry and this passion that he shares with us in his death and in his resurrection. And the passion is, is that we would be reconciled to God and that we would be people who bear the likeness of God, that we would have the capacity um, to live out Jesus's life and even going to the cross and we'd be able to live that out in the way in which Jesus does. So Paul says it's not about fulfilling the law of Moses but it's taking on the very person, the very personality of Christ. In fact Paul uses the analogy of baptism earlier in the story to talk about how when we're baptized we're, we're, we take on the clothes of Christ. Now we don't necessarily do that here anymore like what the early church used to but if you were somebody who said Jesus is Lord in the early church you would have come to a pool of of water and you would have undressed yourself you would have taken off all the old garments you would have you would have gone down to what God gave you when you came out in water at the first place you have gone down to that point and you would have entered water naked and then you would have come up out of that water 
whether you were just a baby or you were a full-grown adult, you would have come up out of that water and they would have given you a new garment. Paul uses that analogy to say, when we come up out of the water, we're clothed with Christ. Now, how many of you remember being a kid and putting on clothes that were far too big for you? You did play dress up, right? Um, maybe you dressed up like a doctor. Uh, my mom was a nurse, so she had stethoscopes around, so we'd get those out. My dad was a farmer. Sometimes we'd pretend we're farmers. One day, I even set chairs up, and I told my brother, you be the song leader, and I'll be the preacher, and see what that gets you. You know, play gets you, it takes you different places. C.S. Lewis talked about how sometimes we play. The whole idea that we're, we put on the clothes of Christ doesn't necessarily mean that we live like Christ, but we play at it for a while, and we stumble and we fall, but we're growing into that sense of reflecting the fullness of Christ. And what Paul is saying to the church at Galatia, what he's saying to all of us, is that underneath the heart of God, when God is going to look at that target and he says, I know I'm on target, I know I'm successful, is when, is when the people that I love and care for bear the likeness of Christ, bear my likeness. They value what I value, they love what I love, they live like I live. And that is borne out in the fruit of the Spirit. Because when Paul writes those things, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You know, you can look at that list and you can say, that's a list of virtues, right? Something to aspire for. But if you look at that list and you think about the stories of Jesus and you go back and you read the stories, if you had the list over here, you could begin to see how Jesus exhibits all of those stories all of those attributes, lives those attributes out. They're present in his life. So how are they to be present in our life? Well, there's one way in which we can attempt to make them present, right? You become aware of the list of virtues. And then you hear Paul talk about the list of vices. Uh, the things that he says our flesh struggles with, like evil and envy and deceit and self-deception. And we can say, well, we're going to try all, with all of our might to avoid those things, and we're going to try with all of our might to exhibit love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness. But the reality is, is that, and Paul recognizes this, uh, deep down in our hearts, all of us struggle with following the one list, the list that we really shouldn't follow, and going after the other list. So Paul says something interesting. He says that these, are, these virtues are really fruits of the Spirit. That is to say that the Spirit has to come and do a work within us. Getting to the place where our lives are full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Getting to that place where those are exhibited within us is not simply about us um, doing the best that we can. It's not simply about us going to a store, buying a book, or entering into a particular journey to get us to that place. No, Paul says, scriptures say, and even what Jesus says, is that the Spirit has to come in and do a work within us. The Spirit has to be uh, on the inside, pointing things out, refining us. Uh, when we talked about one of the, the signs or the symbols of the Spirit, we talked about how the Spirit is like fire. And that sense of the fire of the Spirit living inside of us, going to different places, 
and saying, um, there's a place here that I need to do some refining work in. Or a couple, actually several years ago, read the book The Shack by, by William Paul Young. And one of the analogies he had was he described the spirit as like a gardener who, who moves around in the inner parts of our hearts and he sorts things out in the garden of our, of our lives. And sometimes there are things that are out of place and sometimes there's really good things that are present and sometimes there's weeds that are just growing up. But he described how the spirit moves gently, quietly. How the spirit moves in accordance with our ability to say yes to God and our ability to say, okay, that, I really like that plant, but you call it a weed and you want to take it out. Well then, okay, we'll talk about it. And the spirit says, when you're ready, well, let's move, move it along. Spirit, Spirit, Paul says, is the one who gives us the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit. The story of Genesis talks, the Spirit's described as a Spirit who hovers over the earth, the earth that's in chaos, and then brings created order out of, out of his, the hovering of the Spirit. The psalmist describes the Spirit as like a mother chicken who gathers her chicks and she broods over her chicks. The Spirit hovers over us and does good and brooding work in us. Jesus blows his breath upon his disciples and upon us and he says, receive the spirit. And so to have that, those fruits flow up inside of us, we have to say yes to Christ. We have to say yes to the spirit. We have to say, here's my heart. It's just, it's open. I don't know what it's like fully on the inside. You ever thought about taking a good look at your heart, like doing a good work of introspection? And when you do that, when you do that, you'll find that, that there are things you really like about yourself and things you don't like, right? And the longer you look at your heart, the longer sometimes you can be self-deceiving because you can think that you're worse than you are and sometimes you think you're better than you are. But the beautiful thing about the Spirit is the Spirit keeps speaking to us words of truth, words of reality, words of God's reality. And the Spirit keeps reminding us that God's at work. And even if it's a long journey for God to do a good work in us, even if it's a long journey, the Spirit stays present and active and faithful. So, um, God's got a designed for us destiny that we would look like Christ and gives us the spirit to do a work within us what's there for us to do what is there for for you know what kind of track do we have we can say yes to Christ but then there's something else that Paul tells us we can do he talks about how we have the capacity of nailing our sinful natures to the cross of Christ right this last week Tim Smith with the youth group talked about talked about the fruits of the spirit and then after his talk, the youth group, the teens, they split up into all different um, rooms and they were having small group discussion over it. And they were talking about this idea that there's within us this, this nature of the flesh. And sometimes the nature of the flesh takes us one way and sometimes and the spirit takes us another way. And we were talking about that and I just mentioned, you know, sometimes the nature of the flesh, you don't even know it's there but it's exhibited in different ways. Like when you're walking through a room and you see your siblings, one of your siblings there, and you just want to take, you just, 
you just don't want to. You just do it. You just take a shoe off and you just chuck it at your siblings just because they're there, right? You don't really know why you do it, but there's something that rises up in you and you, and you do that or you, you think about, I don't know why, but uh, you, know, you, you just think about what you can do to your siblings um, and, the, and the teens who are in the room, they're like, yeah, that's me. Like, why does that happen? And I'm like, well, because, because that nature is still within us. And the Lord's doing a long work to, to work that stuff out of us. And one of the beautiful things that Paul says we can do is we can name those things. And there is a, there's a real power in saying there's stuff inside of me that I wish wasn't there. Power naming it and confessing it and saying, Lord, um, there's this bit of me that I just, I keep, I find that it keeps rising up, but I want you to do something with it. And so naming it, naming it to Christ and naming it to somebody else, calling it out and just talking about what it is with somebody else. There's power of release and power of blessing. But then there's something else that Paul alludes to. And, and when we look at Jesus in the upper room with the disciples, um, we, we get another picture that helps us and guides us. Paul talks about living in the Spirit. And one of the analogies that Jesus used when he was with his disciples, he talked about how we need to abide in Christ. He says, uh, abide in the vine. And so in their day, in Jesus' day, his disciples' day, they would have known what it was like to walk through groves of grapes. Or a, not a grove of grapes, is it? No. It's a vineyard. Thank you. Yeah. You guys are there. Thanks. So it's a vineyard. You walk through a vineyard and there's, they would have seen that all around them, known that imagery. And Jesus says, if you, if you want to have the fruit of the Spirit come forth in your life, you need to abide. You need to abide in me like I've been abiding in the Father. You need to stay close to me. You need to walk with me. You need to hear from me. You need to, you need to drink like the grapes. They don't, they get all of their juice from the vine, right? He says, you need, to, you need to drink deeply from me. And so we can do that. One of the ways, and we'll do that here in just a few moments when we partake of, of Holy Communion this morning. Because in partaking of Holy Communion, it's an admission on, on our part that we are, we're people with hungry souls, with thirsty souls. And when we come to a table, it's not just coming to a table where we remember what happened one time long ago, but we come and we say, Jesus, I'm hungry for you. I'm thirsty for you. I need your life in, in my life. I need your power and your presence in my life. I need the power of the Spirit. So blow in me like you blew, like you blew over the disciples. Do your work in me. There's something else that we can do. And I mean, there's lots of, of other attributes we can do in terms of things that we might call sacramental elements. Like we can, we can read the scriptures daily. We can pray. We can be part of a small group. There are, are acts that we can take up. One of the things I'd like to, to encourage you to do, whether it's with a small group that you're a part of or whether it's with uh, your family or somebody else, is something that there was a gift to me and it was something I was a part of several years ago now when I, I was part of a small group and then we came to the end of that journey because we were all going to go our separate ways. And the leader of our small group went, um, I don't know if he went to his driveway or if he went to a parking lot, but he picked up some small rocks. 
And then he gave us each a rock and he said, write a word for the, for the other people around the table. Write a word on that rock where you see something in them that is a gift of God, that's been a gift of God or a work of God in their life. And so the people who were around that table wrote on rocks and then they gave them to me. Things like calmness, uh, calm and nerve and wonder and joy. And on the other side of calm, there was a, another word of, like voice. And as I received those rocks and I looked at those words and then I listened to the people who wrote those things on, on the rocks that they gave me, I began to think that, you know, those things are not native natural elements in, in the way that I was wired up, the way that I was born. But these are elements that the, the Lord has been working in my own life. And they're gifts, really, gifts of the Spirit, that the Spirit has, has been able to grow in me. And, and other people are able to recognize it. And sometimes I don't recognize it in myself. And sometimes when I have a, a sense of self-doubt or I lack self-confidence or I'm unsure about who I am, I go back and I'll pick these rocks up. And I'll be reminded that God's been present. The Spirit's been at work. And he's done stuff in me that I couldn't do on my own accord. But his goodness is present to me. So I'd encourage you today or sometime this week, pick up some rocks, take a Sharpie, and share with some people around you, around the table, some of the things that you see in them that reflect the fruits of the Spirit. Because in doing that, you'll do something that Jesus did. When he looked at his disciples who were gathered around him and he said, in the next few moments, you're gonna really wonder whether or not you're connected to God. But he said, I see you and I see how, this, how you've been walking with me and I see what the Spirit is doing in you and wants to do in you. I see you. And Jesus said, just remain in me. Remain connected to all that God wants to do in you. Continue to say yes, even when there are moments where you fail miserably, continue to say yes. And let the goodness of God flow into the midst of your life and bring about, bring about things that you couldn't think, dream, or imagine. Bring about things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit isn't a coconut not any other kind of fruit either. The fruit of the Spirit is Christ, the Spirit living in you, taking you to a place where you don't just play like you're a follower of Jesus, but you become like Christ himself. Jesus took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his friends and he said this is my body that's been given for you and after the supper he took the cup 
and he blessed it. And he shared it with everybody who was at the table. And he shares it with you and with me. And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for the world. Receive it as my life given for you. Kind Father, pour out your Holy Spirit upon these gifts and upon us gathered in this place. That we might come to the table today recognizing the places in our life where we're not proud, we're not happy. Sometimes we're very ashamed. Point out those places where we'd like to cover things over. But Holy Spirit, help us name those things. Free us from those things. And in the very depths of our hearts, the very places where we're thirsty, where we're malnourished, feed us on the life of Christ. Where we have no hope, give us hope. Where we have no strength, give us the strength of the Spirit. And do your good work in us. We pray. To the Father, with the Son, through the Spirit. Amen.